0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family.
1: This is episode 247 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by HandsOnGloves.com, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing, grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have a, a real treat. I get to sit down quietly with Dad after several days of a gentling wild horse course just to reminisce a little bit about his youth with those horses uh, that he grew up with, training and gentling, and also with a very uh, diverse student body that we have on campus here at the Monty Roberts International Learning Center for the Gentling Wild Horse course. Very, it's our most popular course. <music> This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship radio airs on the first and the 15th of the month. And I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Jen, let's talk Mustangs. Woohoo! Welcome to <laughs> 2024. I know. I'm so excited about 2024. I really am. I feel like we're really hitting our stride here on um, California Horse Center at up Farms. And yeah, and we've really we've added some courses and things like that too, which means we get to play with more ponies. Oh, you've even, Well,
2: hang on until we get to the calendar part of the show and mm-hmm. more courses. I will have questions about that, surely. Okay. And I have a question about the Gentling Wild Horses course, yeah. which Monty talks about today. It's fu- That's going to be fun because we'll hear a little bit about the genesis of how this course right. was developed and why it got started and things like that. But when you do the Gentling Wild Horses course, are they always Mustangs?
1: No. Great question. No. We have bucking horses. They're raised up on a mountaintop meant for the bucking string, which sounds like brutal, right? Does that kind of sound like rodeo? Well, you know, some people might think, "Ooh, bucking horse. Ah, scary. Yeah. But they're mostly used eventually as ranch horses because very few of them cut the mustard, as they say, <laughs> as bucking horses. But they're big, beautiful. They've got Percheron and some big, heavy horses bred into them. But they've seen people. You know, they're fed from the back of a truck over the mountaintop. So they don't think of people as enemies or anything like that or something to really be afraid of. But they also are totally untouched, too. You know, there's nothing. There's, nothing they uh, chuck the bale of the hay out the back. They don't uh, stop to, br- to pet anybody on the nose. No, no. nobody gets touched <laughs> out there. No. And but they're left with the cougars and the rattlesnakes and everything else, too. So they really are like wild horses raised, you know, in in the wild. But they when they come in, it's not so fractious. So they settle pretty quickly. And then we get working on them. And so we that's our favorite horse to have it in the Gentling. But we've had other Morgan sanctuaries, a bunch of Morgan horses. We've had Mustangs from all different walks of life. I mean, the Mustangs out of the holding pens. We've had Mustangs that oh, so were. Sometimes you get them off the range and sometimes yeah. you get them off the holding pens. Interesting. Exactly. Well, they've gone through most of the time. They've gone through the holding pens, but they're like just, you know, they were born yeah. kept in in um, in wild. And then they brought him in and we get to choose from those pins, you know. And mm-hmm. so we know that, like Shy Boy. Uh, Shy Boy is our fam- most famous Mustang. He's over 30 here now. And he was raised in the wild, captured at three, and, and adopted right away out of that holding pin. And they try to do that. The BLM does try to, you know, get people encouraged to take the young ones, um, which is awful for the old ones. But on the other hand, at least they've got a full life ahead of them when they're mm-hmm. – and gentled. So anyway, yeah. So it's a good question. We've had all kinds. We've even had some from sanctuaries that were untouched because, you know, you got different situations. Somebody bought a horse and put it in the backyard and decided that's where it's going to stay. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, they were never gentled. They were started. They didn't know how. Whatever it was. Uh, the particular ones that are so beautiful this week uh, were basically rescues in that there was a helicopter roundup. And they were taken by the BLM, but this person that owns them was their witness to the helicopter. And so she said, this is horrible, even though I'm living in the middle of LA and I have no business you know, trying to house a horse, I'm going to rescue them and figure out what I can do. And so then they've set out to get them adopted out, which is uh, you know, not easy, but also we're proud of her for doing that.
2: Well, and if you're going to do that, and there are many people who do that sort of work with All sorts of different animals in that she -hmm. had never intended to own horses, ride horses, be involved with horses. She just recognized an animal in need because Mustangs, when they're brought in off the range, Mm. it's it's a tough haul. Getting those animals adopted into responsible homes is not easy. There are more horses than there are homes. So kudos for her for doing that and then for asking Monty to give them pretty Mm -hmm. much the best
1: start they could get. Yeah, that's right? it. Yep. Yeah. And and what a fun thing for students to get to witness that. And I think one of the cool things about the Gently Wild Horse course is that it doesn't matter if you're green as grass <laughs> because you are you're kept safe. They're behind gates, behind fences and things so we can we can actually rub on them and then the protected people who are, contact yes exactly protected yes. contact and we've got them in helmets anyway you know so, so you yep. really feel protected and then those people that have a bit of experience of course our instructors our interns that are here in Monty himself they get to working with horses to give that the, the first halter the first lead on and you you just see them the glide path is so easy Jen, you know, it, and it's fun to see. So you get people who say, I just love horses. I always wanted an excuse to get around them. And this is their entry point, really into horses a lot of times. Not that they're going to take one of those wild horses home, but this is like, now I understand their nature more. I understand well, see, their language. The thing,
2: mm-hmm. How many times have we come across people who are very much involved with horses? They either own one or lease one or take riding lessons regularly mm-hmm. that you get to know them a little bit and you scratch your head and say, they just don't understand what a horse yeah. is. And that's very hard mm-hmm. in the 21st century because a lot of people don't even understand what a dog is, much less a horse mm. and a dog is a little bit closer to a human being a predator. Yeah. But understanding that a horse is not just a big dog. yeah, It's in every way different than a yeah. dog. And it's, in, it's in every way different than a human and that, to be to get started your very first experience with a horse to have that demonstrated and explained yes and then to in a way that's safe for your particular skill set to practice that it to, again the horse is getting the best start possible yeah and so is the
1: human Yes. And it, I think the re, it's true. Um, he, in fact, dad was doing, Monty was doing a join up, uh, or he was coaching, uh, one of the students today through a join up. And it was kind of cute because it's a, a little quarter horse, simple, not the, not the gentlers. Uh, we, we wanted to get them in a round pin with a, with a simple horse. So let's put it that way. And he's a nice little quarter, quarter horse. And, um, so he we we silently went through So he wasn't really coaching him through. We'd already done that part. So this was their opportunity, the student's opportunity to do it, to demonstrate the join up on their own kind of thing, right? And uh, at the end of it, yeah, she got a okay, you know, some, some bobbles and boops here and there, which happens. But he said, you know what? That was a beautiful join up that the horse did with you. <laughs> and yes. what he meant was... The horse was leading, joining the way, yes. and the student was trying to figure out what the horse wanted next. Which I'd never really seen that, and I certainly hadn't, you know, defined that before the way. But that happens a lot with with new students to mm-hmm. the to the language of equus, because if a horse is pretty domesticated and has seen a join up or two, then they often are very kind and sort of lead you through it themselves. And, yeah. you know, the student will follow along. But I think that's I think that's a beautiful thing to experience, too, as long as you have a coach there to say, you know what, that's not going to work for you very long. <laughs> so you have well, and to turn that around. That's valid, though. It's it's from my point of view, you know, this mm-hmm. is an outsider
2: looking in. Mm-hmm. That's the same as someone who needs to learn how to do Flying lead changes. I would do that on <laughs> learn to do that on schoolmaster. Yeah. So you learn it correctly and then apply that to the horse who's maybe less experienced. It makes perfect sense for students to learn these skills with horses who have experience so that when they get something close to the right answer, the horse goes, Yeah, I think I can anticipate what you're asking. Yeah. And they
1: can then hold those skills on less experienced animals. That makes perfect sense. Sure. That's that's a great observation. Absolutely. And I think that's what's fun for the students to see the raw, 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 raw horse, R-A-W, raw horse, and express that uh, into pressure, express that I don't touch me. Okay. It's okay to touch me. Oh, I actually kind of like that touch, you know, to to watch that whole arc happen, but then to go, go go play with some. tomorrow. We're going to go out to the mountain trail. It's going to be really fun with some of the transition horses. Those are off the track thoroughbreds and we're going to see how their brains work too, but we're going to use a lot of the same concepts uh, from the ground first. And then if somebody wants to ride, we can get them in the saddle. And I think one thing that, is a disadvantage to people over, let's say, forty or so. Maybe listeners can tell me otherwise. But what I have seen is, generally, the older the rider, the less they've done on the ground. It wasn't a thing when absolutely
2: these guys, right, absolutely and, back yeah. in, back in the day. In my more formative years, once a horse was backed. Mm-hmm. You could lay over his back. You could get a put, a put a foot put a foot in each strip. You never put him on a long line again or a lunch line or, or did, walk him around you know, or you
1: never. Yeah, you get on yeah. their back. <laughs> right. You wouldn't go through the mountain trail on your feet. No, but no. we do. We do, and it becomes more of a confidence builder for both of them. And then once you get in the saddle, the horse has already gone through the thing. He knows what you were asking. And you're pretty confident now, too, because that's where you wanted to be in the first place was up in the saddle and not on the ground. But once you see that you can create a bubble around your horse and you can incrementally take them through. So anyway, it's going to be fun tomorrow, too. And we're going to use a lot of that language that we learned in this very popular Gently Wild Horse course to do things with your own horse back home. (laughs) <laughs> Fun, and huh? without
2: further ado, let's get into it. And we're going to do that right after we hear from our title sponsor and essential part of this show, Hands On Gloves.
1: Our title sponsor, Hands On Gloves, who support us and are our reason for being here. I actually have a little innovation that you were telling me about with Nigel. Yes, Nigel. This was inspired. I was
2: watching some of the videos over on the Hands on Gloves YouTube page. That's cool. Yeah. And it has great ideas for using your Hands on Gloves if you ever want to spend a little time on YouTube. And who doesn't want to do that? In In the wintertime, Nigel does not get clipped because his hair coat doesn't really get very thick. And he lives out of doors. It's a, it's a very light winter coat. And that's a real struggle in the winter because you want to get deep down into the hair when you dry them off. Because what can happen is you can get rain rot yep. if the top of the hair dries before the skin does. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And we've all used towels to dry our horses off. You squ- swipe back and forth. But that's, it, it doesn't get to the skin. It only, it only dries the top. It does. So. You take the old hands-on gloves, which you've got on anyway, because that's what you were using to scrub your horse. You washed them
1: with, yeah. (laughs) That's right.
2: Just grab a towel, toss it on your horse, and you dry the horse using your gloved hand. And those little bumples on the gloves get down between the hairs and dry
1: the skin off. It's awesome. It's awesome. And they love it. I mean, who doesn't like to be snuggled in a blankie? If you give them a good once-over with a towel...
2: And your hands-on yes. glove Then yep. when you do throw the cooler over top You've lo- you fluffed up all that hair yes. So that it can allow the moisture from the skin To come up through If the hair's mushed down flat It's going to do its job of keeping things Just the way they are So exactly. grab yourself a pair of hands-on gloves From handsongloves.com Or your local tack retailer You can find them everywhere They everywhere. come in lots of different sizes and colors Yep, And give it a try for yourself
1: Monty Roberts might be best known as the creator of the world-renowned, revolutionary equine training technique called Join Up. Monty has traveled the world demonstrating that nonviolent, gentle training creates breakthrough performance as you partner with your horse. Monty grew up on a working horse farm as a firsthand witness to traditional, often violent methods of horse training. And it's called breaking the spirit or breaking the horse but it's with an abusive hand. Rejecting that, he went on to win 11 World Championships in the show ring. Today, Monty's goal is to share his message that violence is never the answer. Named Top 50 All-Time Greatest Horsemen by Horse and Hound Magazine, Monty's mission is to leave the world a better place than he found it for horses and for people, too. Well, welcome. Welcome back, Dad. How are you? Thank
0: you very much. And, uh, yeah, it's... Really an exciting, um, exhilarating effort to bring people who want violence free training to wild horses and watch the two of them come together and watch the people learn. And we have some nice students right now with good intelligence and they're watching, they're learning and Somewhere, and they live all around the world, mm-hmm. uh, really around the world. Yeah, pretty exotic. In Korea, mm-hmm. Australia, mm-hmm. east coast of the United States, California.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you just couldn't spread it out any more than it is. So just think about it. If there's a little coil of nonviolent training that they go back to in those places, it it's part of making the world a better place for horses and for people, too.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful. It's intimate, and it's an opportunity to not only film your work with the wild horses. So we've got a couple of horses that were, um, I would, I guess, use the word victims of a helicopter roundup. Um, They went into the BLM system but were immediately adopted by someone who had watched them uh, be captured in a helicopter roundup, which was very kind of somebody to do, and then asked us if we would um, put some gentle on them. So we're using them for the course, and these students have signed up. And they, they're they taking those concepts into their corners of the world in different ways, too.
0: Oh. Yeah, and they they could be considered Mustangs. They were out there in the wide-open country, untouched, unhaltered, um no veterinarians taking yeah. care of them or anything, and their mother and son, and uh, that's interesting. And they they love one another, and particularly the son loves the mother very much, yes, and and uh, calls out to her and stuff. So there's a personality to it all that um, is rare in in the courses that we do. We generally don't have related uh, horses, mm-hmm. and often we do courses without wild mustangs mm-hmm. and these were fairly well untouched <laughs> and they they'd been through some guidance um and a bit of touching but very very wild horses that um, might kick your head off if you're not doing the right thing and they don't mean to hurt anybody and today I picked up all four feet, all four legs, Mm -hmm. on the older one of the two, the mare, Mm -hmm. the mother, Um, that is so rare to the first day you work with uh, these kind of horses to pick up all four feet is just really rare. But we were able to show her that we meant her no harm. And she was able to accept the fact that maybe they're not lying to me. Um, and uh, we had a uh, an instructor here, Courtney Dunn. And Courtney exhibited a join-up uh, with the older one. And that helped me with the picking up of the legs because she, this mare, began to trust human beings right there with the first join-up. And I did this four feet picking, picking up, um, just twenty minutes after she did the mm-hmm. yep. the join up uh, uh, exhibition for the students here. So I'm I'm really pleased with what how it took place and what happened.
1: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So over the arc of the week, just so people get a lay of the land of what does gentling look like. We started off with, uh, in the classroom, just a little bit of your concepts, your theories, what makes some of the work you've done unique because of your youth and working with the Mustangs for the wild horse races. Can you tell us a little bit about your background when you were a kid?
0: Yeah, when I was a kid, um, uh, it was right after the war ended, the Second World War ended, ended, The Second World War ended when I was 10 years old. And when I was nine, they knew they were going to get ready for the Wild Horse Race at Salinas, California, the Salinas Rodeo. And the Wild Horse Race was a special event that was very popular in those days, but it was awful. It was really awful. Everything was traditional. I'm nine years old. It was 44. We're going to have the race in 45. And I went to Nevada with the guys. I'm nine years old. And I saw Mustangs. Now, I had my horse with me, Brownie. And I rode him. And um, I watched. A nine-year-old doesn't do much out there with the Mustangs to get them on the trucks and stuff. But I was infatuated with the wild horses and how these guys got them with the wings built. And I invented some things right out there in my mind the first time so that in 45, when we were gathering for 46, I was doing things that had never been done before out there. For instance... They built. They spent a lot of money building fences that get smaller as you go, so that you build them in a Y shape, and um, you're squeeze,
1: the horses squeezing the horses through. Yeah, you're just
0: squeezing the horses through, and they wind up in a small pasture that's got good fences. So they just build some, you know, inexpensive fences that just kind of guide them down through there. And you, and you watch their tracks and you build your fences so that they, they're used to going there anyway. And then, boom, they find that they're in a, a very secure corral. And after the first year, I said to my father and to E.J. Leach, who was the president of the Rodeo Association at the time, you know, you don't need to build those fences with that. Why? They were half a mile long. They had guys out there working for a month putting these together so that you have a trap for the Mustangs to go into. And they said, Yeah, we have to have the fences because we we need them to go down and go through this narrow spot and then boom, they're in the corral. And I said, No, I I think that if you simply take um and crepe paper mm. and put it on the bushes and the trees, tack it to the trees and stuff. Mm. They're not going to try crepe paper. Mm. They've never seen crepe paper before and it worked. Mm. So then they started building these traps all over Nevada and Idaho and Arizona to trap the Mustangs because people were saying, oh, after the race is over um they're going to have a sale and they're going to sell them well people weren't buying them for more than 20 30 dollars really so the decision at the level of the rodeo people were just send them to the killers and they were sending all these horses to the killers
1: and that's because they were worth more per pound
0: or well they weren't worth more per pound but it was about the same. Oh. And then you didn't have people getting injured and suing yeah, you. you
1: didn't want to train them. Yeah.
0: You didn't have, yeah, a lot of problems. They just came with their truck. They bought them for $20, $30 a head. Wow. And um, they sent you a check, and that was better than starting them. And as time went by and it got up into the 1947, 1948, 1949, those three years, I showed Dr. Leach how I could take the better ones, that is their confirmation, their soundness, uh, their age, I could take the better ones and I could have a rider on them in no time at all with my system. Oh, my father was very upset with that. What are you trying to pull? What are we going to do uh, when this catches on and then we don't get paid for training horses? Well, I was doing it and uh, it was catching on. Mm-hmm. There was no question about that. But I say catching on. It was a small group of people. But we, we then had a sale and I'm riding them. And Dick Jalot is riding them, a the kid that worked for us. And they were bringing $150, really? $200, yeah. 250 A really good one might bring $300. Mm-hmm. And it's ready to go ride. Oh, my word. I became the worst criminal you ever heard of because... He's, he's just ruining the professional horsemen of the world. He's just ruining them. We don't know what he does. He's got something he gives them or oh. something like that. And then he just does this stuff. And, and uh, uh, we don't know what it is, but we don't want to do it anymore. So I quit. In 1949, that was my last... 1950 was my last... Time to gather the horses. And in 1950, I went out and did a horse in the wild without my father's permission. And I told the crew that was there, don't ever tell my father what I'm doing here, but I'm actually going to do join up with a horse in the wild, a mustang. Well, you can't do that, but it's fine. How many days, you figure? I said, three days. I'll ride the horse back to the camp. It was a bunkhouse kind of thing. About 20 cowboys worked on that ranch near Tuscarora in northern Nevada. In three days, I rode the horse back. And then they said, well, he's really got something. He's got something he gives him. Oh, that horse was, trick. it was a trick. That horse would just carry and they told my father about it. And that was the last fight that I had with my father that was physical. I was just defending myself because he came at me to kill me. I mean, he was really angry and we had an all out fight. I'm 15 years old. So yeah, I felt like I was an adult. And I was already playing football, tackle football, and uh, I, I won the fight. And he hated me from that day on without any question. But um, I didn't, he didn't see me work after that. But then he began to read about the th- things I was doing, and it, it really bothered him a lot. In 1985, he died. And early 85, my mother brought him here to this farm where we are now, which was Flag is Up Farms, and now it belongs to our firstborn child, um, turned over to her three or four years ago. And um, I did about 20 horses in one day. Mustangs, about 20 Um, I think there was a mixture of Mustangs and Thoroughbreds. But anyway, I did about 20. And they they had him in a a high chair watching. And I was averaging 28, 29 minutes to have a saddle on him and a rider on him. I had young riders, you know. And uh, we went to dinner here in this house, right within 20 feet of where we're sitting right now. And my mother said, Marvin, that was my father's name. Marvin, what did you think of Monty's work today? It's suicide. They'll kill him if he keeps doing that. And he died later that same year. And I went on and I have done thousands of horses. Yeah. In forty one country forty four country? Forty one countries. Forty one on tour, yeah. On tour. For Her Majesty, she was encouraging me to do these on tour. And she said she would pay for everything, but she didn't have to pay because people were buying tickets and, mm-hmm. and there was no reason for the Queen to have to pay, and I never asked her to. But I, I did 41 countries. Some of those countries I did 10, 15 demonstrations in England, and Scandinavian countries, and the Western European countries. Um, 10, 15 a year. 10 or 15 uh, uh, demonstrations a year. Mm -hmm. And my largest audience was in Germany, in -hmm. the town of...
1: Did you say Cologne?
0: Cologne, Germany. Mm -hmm. And my largest audience was 7,000 people. Mm -hmm. Well... A young man, I mean, I wasn't so young then, but uh, I was... uh, Younger. In my 40s. um, That does 7,000 people in a coliseum there just to do a demonstration of how he... That's rare, man. Mm -hmm. And um, later in my career, I went to Brazil and Argentina some of the South American countries. And uh, I got a phone call from a lady that said she owned three or four newspapers in Brazil. And if I came back to Brazil, I would be arrested. Mm. Because the professionals were coming to her and said, what's this guy doing? And he's he's, he's saying that traditional horsemanship is bad because it's violent. Well, you have to be violent. Horses have to have a boss. You got to know who's... Boss. They've got to know who's boss. And you, you have to use force. Everybody knows that. And so she said, if you come back to Brazil, you will be arrested. No matter where you are in Brazil, you'll be arrested. Well, later on, we had a man come from Brazil up here to go through one of my courses. Valdo Franco. And Valdo was an Nice young man, a businessman, but his family had a farm and they had horses. And um, he said, I I want you to come to Brazil and show the people this. This is really good. And he got pretty good at it himself. And I said, nope, I'm not going to Brazil. and That's that's not going to happen because they'll arrest me. No, Monty, they won't arrest you now. The country is changing. They watched you when you were there. And it's eight years now. And they're, uh, most of those tough guys are changing to your way. Uh, well, anyway, the talks went on and they offered me a fee and took my whole family with me and friends, some friends too. But um, we went there. And it was in a coliseum and. Bahetos, Bahetos, yeah. Bahetos, Brazil. Was just what four or five months ago,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, thirty-two thousand people came to see me there, and nobody arrested me.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> and I didn't get injured, but they gave me a really tough horse that bucked like heck with a guy, and they didn't give me a guy that could ride very well.
1: Well, he was a professional, actually. And
0: He was a bucking horse rider, but ah. anyway, the people loved it. And the fact that the horse bucked was an advantage because the guys were saying, the tough guys were saying to their wives and girlfriends and friends, other men, Ah, they just found a horse that's already been broken. Yeah, we
1: heard that We heard that
0: directly. Yeah, we heard it directly. They just found a horse. Ah, you know, they've probably been on him before and everything. And then all of a sudden, this horse broke in two. And he was, he was just plain, outright wild. Mm-hmm. And they had shown me some horses. And I chose him out of a group of horses, primarily because he was a good-looking horse, very sound, and 16 Uh, you know, big, strong horse, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, those people loved it. Mm. And they want me to come back now, but I I don't have the health to to go around the world now uh, at 88 years of age and coming up on 89 years of age. I just don't have the health anymore to travel, but these videos travel, these um, tapes travel, And um, it's happening. It's Mm -hmm. really happening. The world is changing, and violence is not the answer. Horses do better without violence than they ever did with violence. And certainly, 52% by um, scientific study, 52% of the horses in, in Brazil were dying in the breaking process. A scientific study. And they haven't, so far as we know, they haven't killed a horse with my methods no. um, in, in the last 10 years or so. so right.
1: So there is a gentleman, uh, Kion, by name, who is from Korea, as you had mentioned before in this gentling class. It's actually his second class. He's came, he came for the intro course earlier in the year. And he wants you desperately to go to. Korea because he said he came in March of this of 2023 mm-hmm. and said that you were beginning talks about Brazil and it was a potential August trip mm-hmm. that year so March to August and he and you were thinking and he was thinking eh, probably not possible probably not going to happen i mean it's a great um dream and thought, yeah. yeah. And you were getting, you know, plans like, well, maybe I start doing push-ups and getting in yeah, shape right. <laughs> and everything. Yeah, And but he can't, comes back here for this week, happened to get a, a plane ride to uh, Los Angeles to, for work, didn't really plan it, and he said, I'm coming for the Gentling Wild Horse Course, and I'm going to come see Monty because I want to learn more from him. But he said to me today... When I got here, this is not Monty. This is not the Monty I knew in March. This guy is full of energy. He <laughs> talked about Brazil. he I saw the video in Brazil. What did you do with the Monty I met in March?
0: Wow. Well, uh, well, this condition that I have is called CIDP. You don't want to know what it is, but it's horrible. And it it destroys your neurological system all through your body. So it's it's a very tough thing. But they have me on uh, infusion of gamma globulin two days every two weeks, so four times a month. I go in, it's three hours of draining this stuff into my blood. And, yeah, they... You look in the mirror and you say, "Am I getting better?" Or, "Yeah, I want to go do something, and I can't do that much." And today, I I worked hard for. Oh a short yeah, what'd time. you do today? Well, today <laughs> I did a join up, and I, I did uh, uh, some work with the students. Mm-hmm. And with,
1: with the Mustang.
0: With the Mustangs, yeah. yeah. And
1: what did you do yesterday with
0: them? Yeah, I did the same thing yeah. <laughs> yesterday. And and so, so so that's good, but toward the end today, boy, I was having a hard time even sure. just sitting up straight. Mm-hmm. So energy I, is limited. I, I mean we all die. Mm-hmm. And at eighty eight I've I've passed that period in time when most people are gone. But they say once you get past a certain
1: age you can actually glide a bit. But I think what, what he was pointing out is that when you have a passion And when you have a focus, Mm -hmm. and when you can control your physiology as well as you do, your breathing, your heart rate, and you can be around. He said that he watched you work with the mayor today, and you were focused on the mayor. Mm -hmm. But the the boy, the little child of hers, was trying to climb out of the chute Mm -hmm. behind. Mm -hmm. Not with a lot of effort, but he was not happy being in there without his mom. His mom was completely happy, by the way, of him yeah. being locked in the chute. She was kind of over him. Um, but he, but this student of yours said, wow, I was focused. I kept focusing back on the horse in the chute instead of focusing on you. And I kept telling myself, focus on Monty and the mayor. And he, th- he said, how ridiculous is this that Monty probably had eyes behind his head and knew that the horse was safe and fine, but was totally focused on the mare enough to pick up all four of her feet without a lead on, by the way. Remember you took the lead off and began to pick up feet. So that focus must be healthy for people. That passion, that desire, the action, the activity.
0: It's interesting to hear you say this, and you sort of characterize it as the student saying, my word, you know, when I was here before, he didn't have that kind of enthusiasm and that, that excitement that build up. I I didn't have, I didn't do that today. Mm. I didn't do that. The horses did that. Mm. I I couldn't, my dear, I love my dear, but when I get up here and I try to be really quiet with the flight animal, ten times flightier than the horse, the wild deer, I can go really calm, but I can't even walk, I I can't breathe, I I, I can't relax myself, Uh, I can't think straight. Mm. But I get around horses that are trying me you know, that are wild. And up it comes. I don't know what happens, but God has put a a nervous system in all of us, I think, Mm -hmm. that has that opportunity if you get it right with yourself. And now, after these tens of thousands of horses, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I don't have to even think about it. I get around a horse and it just, Happens and I look back on what I did and I go, oh my God, I could have been killed, you know, (laughs) but I haven't been injured. I'm knocking on wood now. Mm -hmm. I haven't been injured uh, through all of this time. I'm now uh, was 2020. So let's call it four years now that I've had this condition and I've done a lot of horses in those four years. Not as many as I did before, obviously, and not traveling to all those countries. But something happens within your system when you get it all right, right enough, so that another individual, human or animal, falls in love with the fact that you're doing something together and building something together. Mm -hmm. And then you say... Wow, look what we did. Um, I don't know how to tell you that, but I do know how to teach it now. Mm-hmm. And it's the horses that have taught me how to teach it.
1: Well, that was an interesting thing that you did this week, too. You gave, you gave a roadmap. You gave an example by showing the students on Monday afternoon. This started on Monday Monday afternoon, you worked with these horses in the chutes. You first put them in there. You breathed them into the chute. Mm-hmm. And goodness, that's a book full right there of how you breathe them into the chute. But then you showed how um, sending the student in and out, advance and retreat, even before the first touch, and then eventually the first touch and move away. You, you gave them this roadmap. Then the next morning, you didn't come. You let the students be filmed doing the same thing from their memory of you doing it, and then on Tuesday afternoon you were critiquing it. So you sat in the classroom with each one watching their footage and giving that. I've never seen you do that.
0: No, I know. And the reason I wasn't there in the morning was that I was having an infusion. Right. And then I came back. So it's, it's a learning curve for me too, to go through all of this. And God works in mysterious ways. And this is a challenge. Uh, you think you have it right, Mr. Roberts. Um, so let's see what you can do if we put this on you and that on you. And the horses have taken charge of my life. And and um, yeah, it even makes me get along with people better. And you take violence out of your life. And there's a there's a whole new approach to living. Um, yeah, Most people that are successful business people, they will say, well, I can tell those people what to do and I can be sure that they do it. And they're traditional about their thinking. And oftentimes that goes wrong for them.
2: Well, we're going to take a quick break here and hear a little bit about Monty Roberts University. And when we come back, we're going to hear a little bit more about how things can go right and how things can go wrong.
0: Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner or the advanced rider, it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too, on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com.
1: I think you're right in that the more, I think as you're maturing through this whole teaching process, because I don't think you set out to become a teacher of, of horse training, right? You are a horse trainer. yeah. But the teaching of it, I think you're more empathetic With the students out there, the more students you've known and the more you see how the horses respond to students. And I know you want to get it right for the horses, which means you have to get it right for the student Mm -hmm. so as not to annoy the horses. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But I I thought that was an interesting challenge for you to to come up with. You you came up with that uh, that thought of how to do. that. Yeah.
0: And Debbie, the thing is. You don't. Make this happen. You wait. Until you're going to leave it. And then you're a good teacher. When when you're still doing it. And making champion horses. You tend to push yourself. To get that thing done. With the horse. Now the excitement is. To build. A team of people. mm mm-hmm that will carry these nonviolent concepts onward. Mm -hmm. And then when, if there is another life, and you're sitting up there watching what you left behind, we will leave behind, Debbie, a different world than I was born into. And we will be, and the queen was the first one to know it, we will be responsible for an earth-changing experience, not just for animals, but human to human as well. And wouldn't the world be better off if we humans weren't thinking about beating one another up and dropping bombs and shooting people and so forth and so on? Violence is never the answer. Violence is always for the violator and never for the victim. Think about it. It's not for the victim. You're making it happen. And they will be thinking about a way to stop you from making it happen. And that's um, a violent um, society. And that's what we have on this earth right now. And yet, we're trying. And, yeah, there's, there's one country that really is critical of me about putting horses in the chute. Mm. And they say, oh, I see those horses in the chute. And they look to me like they're in jail for life. Mm. It's horrible. And I wish they would tell me what their alternative is to a wild horse. You go in and just start touching them? No, you're going to get your head kicked off. (laughs) But if you do it, my way and you put them in a chute you can go up and show them that touching doesn't have to hurt mm-hmm. fighting doesn't have to happen and how do you do that how do you get them to go in that chute you breathe them into the chute what are you nuts <laughs> breathe the horse into the chute yep horses are incredibly aware of your pulse rate, of your breath rate, they're totally aware. And so I say that one of the most important things that a good horseman learns is diaphragmatic breathing. And when you breathe diaphragmatically, you lower your pulse rate. I play with them at at the infusion suite, and uh, they'll say, oh, your pulse rate is up a little bit today. What was it? Well, it was almost 60, 59 or something like that. What? Really? What do you want it to be? Well, sometimes you come in and you're 49 or you're 50 or you're 51. But And I say, take it again. (laughs) And I diaphragmatic breathe. And they say, oh, my God, you're 44. (laughs) It's too low now. Uh, So... When you breathe down, when you breathe diaphragmatically, the horse relaxes. So when the horse is in the gentling pen and the chute is there on the side, you breathe up, (laughs) breathe up, and you take your pulse rate right up 68, 69, 70, and the horse is flying around there. You don't have to run them. You don't have to hit them. Mm -hmm. They're running around you like crazy. And when they go in the chute, they go in a a kind of a little V that heads them into the chute. When they go in there, diaphragmatically breathe down. And they look at you and go, oh. And then, boom, they'll bolt out again. (laughs) And when they're out, you bring your breath rate back up and take it right up to the top. And when they go back in, down it comes. And you saw it today. I could put those two Mustangs in there, breathe high, and they buzz around in there and then dive in that chute, down, and they lock. Mm -hmm. And I can literally do four or five breaths and change their position in that chute now. And they learn it way faster than humans <laughs> could learn it. The flight animal learns that kind of thing because the predators breathe that way. And when the predator is breathing up and ready to attack, they are out of there. The ones that do that live. Yeah. And the ones that don't do that feed the predators. Right. So it's, it's a wild change that's happening and uh my my human doctors in the hospital where I go to have these things they come in and watch this thing and they just can't believe it it bothers them a little because they want to control this
1: oh whole you're situation. controlling the situation and I'm
0: controlling it and uh they want they they don't like it and professional horsemen don't like it because if they're a traditional horseman what am I going to do? If this stuff that he's doing works, yeah. what am I going to do?
1: Invalidates what they did.
0: It Yeah. Yeah. Invalidates what they did. That's yeah. right.
1: No, it's it's fun to watch the ability to get a flight animal to trust you because you've got your physiology right. We've been calling horses biofeedback machines that you can see what your biology is like just by Watching the horse's reaction to you and it must be fun to watch your students now coming back To spend a day or a little time with you to teach to maybe also fine-tune some of the stuff they're doing and um, It must be gratifying to know that these guys are taking it into the
0: future extremely gratifying extremely gratifying And when I go to my own funeral, the greatest thing that will be in my mind as I go out of here is that thousands of people are now learning that violence isn't the answer. Violence is for the violator. And I know I can help the world. I wish the politicians would come to me and say, teach us all how to do this because... uh, Humans are important to this earth of ours, and we're becoming more and more populated to the extent that we get more fractious with people mm-hmm. um, because we have a tendency to be a predator and not to be mm-hmm. a flight animal.
1: We escalate and de- instead of de escalating, and mm-hmm. that's where grandfather, my grandpa, um, did he, with dominating horses, and I'm so glad that you broke that cycle.
0: Yeah, well, I am too. Uh, I just had a phone call conversation from people in my city that just hate me, absolutely hate, They think my father was the best ever. Mm-hmm. And so those people have to die off. And youngsters coming up see a better way, yeah. if there's a better way out there. And I now know there's a better way out there. Mm-hmm. So it's it's well, fun. We look
1: forward to the next generation, but we thank you for, for breaking that cycle and, and swimming upstream to do it and staying true to your beliefs.
0: Yeah, and if it wasn't for Queen Elizabeth II, I never could have gone offshore. You know, mm-hmm. if I could have done it right here, I'd have been perfectly happy. Mm-hmm. But when the queen came to me after the first horse I did for her and said, Owen was right, you know. I didn't know who Owen was. And I learned later at Sandringham, sitting down with her in a little cottage back in the trees, that she had a guilty conscience because her family fired Owen because he was teaching Those children, Princess Margaret and Princess uh, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, um, nonviolent ways to work with horses. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows you got to do this and you got to do that. So they fired him. And she had a guilty conscience that she let that happen without trying to keep him in the hunt and didn't bring him back in when she became queen. And she just had to stop, see what I was doing. And then she said, and he was gone. He was dead then. Mm -hmm. And she said, you have to take this to the world. Mm -hmm. There has to be a book. And you've got to go to every country you can go to. And you have to show this to the world. And if the Queen of England says that kind of thing, it's going to happen way more than some cowboy from California. Um I, I just can't begin to tell you how much I owe that lady uh for what she's done. And she quietly did it. She doesn't want to take it uh you know credit for um changing she wanted it all, all the credit to go to me. And 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 she was the moving force mm-hmm. behind my uh world tour.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, She enjoyed the horses, didn't she? I mean, I think.
0: Oh, she loved her horses. Ultimately, that's
1: what she was doing
0: it for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, that's what she was doing it for. You were
1: a vehicle to move it there.
0: That's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and I'm sure she's very proud of you.
0: And Terry Pendry, Mm -hmm. who first said I had powder in my pockets, (laughs) that I pulled out and blew it up the horse's nose, and then the horse just went tranquil. And she put him on the road with me. 30 days. He lives at Windsor Castle at, as we speak, mm-hmm. and they've made arrangements for him to live out his years with his wife at Windsor Castle because she was so grateful. And he's the one that was holding the little pony at her funeral with her scarf over the pony's neck. Terry Pendry, Corporal Major Terry Pendry, um, it was fantastic, and I did nothing. I just did my thing, and he watched. He had 30 days with me on the road, and he just watched and made his changes. Um, he was malleable, mm-hmm. and he he, he he physically and mentally could make those changes. So, uh, I mean, he's one of the proudest marks that I have, and he was one of the most proud marks that the Queen had, mm-hmm. Um. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, congratulations to him as well, because that he has started a legacy there that broke a mold,
0: and sure. uh, and
1: hopefully all the horses he trained the drum horses and oh, yeah. a lot of all the horses that the Queen rode
0: carriage horses carriage and, the, horses, and yeah. the Queen's horses to ride mm-hmm. the whole royal family, mm-hmm. and now polo is the single discipline moving to my way of thinking more than any other discipline in the horse industry and that all happened because of yes. the queen yes. and prince philip
1: prince philip who the,
0: said let's make it happen you were the there yesita
1: brothers yes yeah. so many so many polo players who recognized a better way Frank.
0: the son of the man that first changed adolfo cambiaso is his name he's was number 1 in the world I think it's
1: been fun this week. So tomorrow we have the yes-no game in the morning. We're going to start with that. Um, And then Friday, we're going to have some fun with Shy Boy. Can you believe he's still around with us?
0: 31 years of age.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah, he's quite a Mustang himself. He's a story in himself.
0: Yeah, he is, yeah.
1: Thanks, Dad. Thanks for spending so much time with us today.
0: Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word.
2: It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty.
0: Leave this world a better place than The magic in the language of
3: the earth. Dear Monty, What do you say to people who have gone down the wrong path and feel guilt? For example, a horse person who has been using harsher training methods. Monty's answer. I say to tell them to take a bath. Everyone makes mistakes. I have tried it both ways. Don't beat yourself up over it. It's counterproductive. Most people who use traditional harsh methods slide into it through peer influence. If it happens to you, walk away. All you need to do is to make the choice, then stand up in front of the mirror and say, I throw it away. If it happens to someone you know, regard it as a privilege that they have seen the light. If someone comes to you for advice, be understanding rather than accusatory. Remember that it takes a good deal of courage to acknowledge the use of violence. One should regard a request such as this, an expression of confidence in one's ability to counsel against the use of violence. I recommend that one takes this responsibility seriously and responds with compassion. I regard it as an honor to assist those who wish to seek a better way. I fully realize that we cannot change the world overnight, but that the people that we help are likely to become spokesmen for
1: violence-free training. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in January. Coming right around the corner, we have a Mountain Trail Play Day on January 20. And then on January 27th, we have a Horsemanship 101. February 1, we have a Mountain Trail Play Day again. And then 5 through 9, we have Monty's Special Training. Now, this one I didn't talk about yet, and I should, because it doesn't happen very often. We often develop a lot of our uni lessons out of that, university lessons out of that, but he gets to play with horses for five days straight and we get to watch. It's a lot of fun. We just support him on that. And then 16 through 18 is a horse sense in healing. That is for our veterans and first responders. The 24th is a horsemanship 101. That's also a really popular one day course too. We call it, you know, girlfriend's weekend or mother, daughter, father, daughter kind of thing. And then March we have on the 31st, we have an Easter mountain Easter's Mountain Trail Play Day. It happens to fall on Easter. So girls, treat yourself. Don't just stay home and cook. And then April, (laughs) April 1st through 16th is our introductory course of horsemanship. And that is our first step to the certification process. So it's super important. And then right after that, we have the 22nd through the 26th are the intro exams after you've completed your intro course and some videos. There you go. On Easter Mountain Trail Play Day, you should
2: Mm -hmm. have an Easter egg hunt. We should. Thank you. Great idea. had thought. I love that. <laughs> and if you want to look at the calendar for yourself or get any other information about what's going on at Flag is Up Farms, you can go to moneyroberts.com. It's all there, including this here podcast. It's also on the moneyroberts.com. It's your one-stop one, one stop shop. Is really, yeah. just, everything is there. <laughs> it's there. And you can be old school. Give them a call over there at Flag is Up Farms, 1-805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, you can go to MontyRoberts.com or HorsemanshipRadio.com, where you will find links, photos, and more information about today's guests and topics. Yes. We, we love your feedback. Great way to give us feedback and spread the word is on social media. On Facebook, it's Monty Roberts, the one with the little blue check mark, And Twitter and Instagram, both are Monty underscore Roberts.
1: Yep. I love Instagram. It's so pretty. And then many things to our sponsors, too. That's hands-on gloves because we brag on them all the time. And we use them through our gentling course, by the way, because the the Mustangs love them. It's a nice way to kind of gentle them, too. So it's hands-on gloves. com is our reason for being. And be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network, too, at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.